Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about what God is going to do today. We're doing something very different, you know. And uh, actually, we're, we, we, did we finish our fifth year yet? We're here. We're in our fifth year. We're in our fifth year. We're in our fifth year of doing Thursday Block Talk Radio. Can you all believe five years? Yeah. Okay, and this is, the five years really is uh, from... The prayer, help us, Lord, through now. Well, you know, we should count that. Well, we should because we, we work. And, then, you know, it's despise not the day of small beginnings. Yes. So we work, and we despise not the day of small beginnings. Where we began Blog Talk Radio uh, probably a year in. We, we had the morning prayer, and we uh, started praying for people, and then every Thursday, and they called Eventually, our numbers went up to, you know, over 100 people. We couldn't manage it. So we found Blog Talk Radio. And when we found Blog Talk Radio, we were able to continue growing. So I'm excited about where we are, all that we're doing, all of the great things that have happened over the five years. Some of you all might want to send us in some anniversary wishes. Five-year marker. Yay! Milestones. A lot of your lives have been changed and your prayers have been answered, got tons of wisdom and counseling and, 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 well, hallelujah. So if you want to send us anniversary wishes, we will definitely appreciate them. Prophet Ashley will be reading them uh, over the air or putting them on Facebook and stuff like that because she likes staying involved. You know, if it wasn't for her, there would be no social media because Dr. Price wasn't thinking about it. And to be honest with you, I so resisted it. You know, thank goodness for the praying prophets. So make sure you do that. Just, hey, Dr. Price, this is how uh, Thursday Blog Talk Radio has blessed me. And just share a little bit. We'd love to get those shares. And in addition, obviously, you know, anniversary seed would be well appreciated. It'd be great, you know. Guys, I would like to just go out and have fun. You know, I don't do that a lot. My, my church keeps telling me and my team keeps telling me, Dr. Price, you've got to come wise. So I'd like to do that. So maybe you have some ideas and you want to sew into me doing something fun, not just going on a writing sabbatical or something like that. You know, I want to go someplace where I can just enjoy the Lord. I don't even need a lot of company. You know, I just want to enjoy Jesus. But it would be nice to celebrate him. Anyway, um, website, drpaulaprice.com, and hit so we see. Now, you all do remember that I have a weekly television show. It's been on YouTube, and we've been enjoying it. It's been great, um, and it's, it's catching on, taking it on with Paula Price. I am taking it on, and whatever it is, that's what we're taking on. So we never know the it topic of the week. Well, we kind of know because we shot it, but you all know. <laughs> but I have great topics and great shows planned for us having guests and dealing with issues and not just 
you know, taking it on as if it's all so bad, but also taking on big things for God. There are people who are doing great things for the Lord. They're doing big things, and it would be great for the body of Christ to know it. I found that when you are, uh, you do something great and you let other people know about it, it encourages them. And maybe your great project, your great venture, hey, you've got to dig down deep for the guts to make it happen story or uh, example would help somebody. So I like that. So we're not just taking it on, okay, well, let's just be whatever. We're taking it on for whatever the king is doing. God is getting great things done in the earth today, and we need to know about it. We're going to talk about, you know, science. Do you know where science is headed and how it fits scripture or conflicts with it? Well, you need to know that, especially if you're going to be a prophet. Because as a prophet, you need to know what's coming down on the horizon. If you're an apostle, you need to know that. What is coming down? Because what the future holds is how you need to be equipped. It is nice to say I'm following Brother Benny, you know, Brother Jake, Joyce, and all of those people. That's nice. But they had an era that you're not going to have. They served God in an era that you will not live in. And so not saying that they're all dated, but by the same token, if you're not part of the future, then you are a maintainer of the present or a custodian of the past. But that's, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of it. They've done great jobs. They've kept us going. But the future is different. And the horizons are different. And prophets are supposed to be ahead of the curve. It's a shame that we have more prophets of science that's manifesting what they know or what they've been told than we have in the church. You know, you, do you really know what God's future is? That's what we're talking about. Do you know God's future? What is God going to have to deal with and contend with in the future? What is he going to face? What type of things are on his book, on his prophetic record, and his prophetic projections that you know nothing about? You have to know that. If you're an intercessor, you need to know because you need to pray about that. You need to have it on your prayer list. You know, oh, goodness, this is coming down. And then you need to know what you should accommodate, what you should prepare God's people for versus what you should shut down because some of this stuff is in the will of God. It's in the plan of God. It's in the annals of God. It's in the writing of God and his legislation. But you must know that, and it's not an instinctual thing. Unfortunately, we have so conditioned modern and young prophets to think that things are, of the, are instinctive. And so if it's in my spirit, then it's so. That's not true. That's inaccurate. And there's nothing in Scripture to support that idea or that practice. So we have to change some things, guys. We have to change a lot. God has a future, and the prophets exist for God's future. You should write that down. I think that's very good. The prophets exist for God's future. What is the prophet's role in God's future? You've been so taught about your ministry and your predictions and your gifts and your anointing. It never dawned on you that you are separating yourself from God's future and his continuum. The prophetic has a continuum. There are things that have not happened yet that are part of God's future. And if you are alive and in that calling, then you are part of his future as well. So, if you are part of God's future, how do you how do you do it? 
What do you do? How do you prepare yourself? First of all, how do you identify whether you're part of God's future? Because not every prophet is. There are prophets that are meant to maintain. Not every prophet that existed during John the Baptist's era was a trailblazer. Future prophets are trailblazers. So not everyone was a uh, a trailblazer. Think about it. Even as you go forward, think about it. Are you called to maintain what God has done? Good calling. Don't blow it. Don't throw it away because that's not how God operates. Are you called to to be an archivist, or you're his librarian. You know, you just want to keep a record and a narrative of what God has done so that we can, we can check out patterns and, and you can say this pattern is right or that pattern is right or this is on course or this is on point and on topic based on God's historical self. You might be that kind of a prophet. It is okay. It's, it's really okay. You might be a prophet who is a trainer. Maybe you're one of those who's an assessor. You're going to help uh, identify the prophets of the future. So you have to be pretty well versed in God's past and his present. Maybe that's you. You know, and the same goes for the intercessor as well as the apostle. And there are people, you'll say, well, gee, what about the rest of the body of Christ? The rest of you will prophesy according to your gift according to the gift that he's giving you. So you'll prophesy whatever God needs to say because you're, kind, you know, you're, you're like the standards. Either to prepare people for the office, to fill in for the office because there's no officer available, or maybe you're a stand-in because your organization won't allow official prophets in. So there's some, a lot of good reasons. Are you, do you hear something, uh, a common thread in how I'm communicating with you? The thread that you're hearing is wisdom. Wisdom is a principal thing, you know, because some of you all are running on word and others are running on works. But in between the two, there's wisdom, the knowledge of what God is doing and how he's done, knowing God as he is, because you've got a whole lot of variables about God. Part of why people distrust prophets is because you have no way for them to verify you, to anchor you, to confirm you. You don't have that. You just want everybody to take your... Your words have face value because you feel like you're a prophet and you feel as if the words that you're saying are prophesying or prophecy, and you want everybody who is unlearned and unexposed to take your, take your word. And God knows sometimes you got it right, and those two hits made you feel like you were a full-scale prophet, and that's not so. So why are you doing this today? Why are you talking about it? Well, actually two reasons. Number one, we have an event coming up in June. That's only a couple of months. You don't have a lot of time. But I'm giving you some good reasons to make a way to this event. Change your priorities. Get those days off. Start now. Put in some overtime. Befriend your supervisors. And get those days off so that you won't miss the prophetic and present tense. Because present tense prophetics is always affirmation of the past and preparation for the future. And it doesn't make a difference what level you're in. So you want to get those days off. They're very important. And so we're, it's in June. Go to my website, drpaulaprice.com. We got some, I'm thinking we still have some, some specials, a, few, a discount or two. But I want you to bring your prophetic students and your intercession students. We need to bring your classes. I want you to bring your networks. I want you to do it because we're talking about gearing up for God's future, the present tense 
prophetic has to gear up for God's future. You need to know what that is because your future, your prophetic future is not the same as Joyce's, not the same as Jake's, not the same as Benny's, not the same as Eckhart's, not the same as all of these prophets that have gone before. That's a different future. They're in their present tense. And they've completed it, starting out by preparing for it and completing it. The prophets of that era, they're in their present tense. And if God hasn't given them a shift anointing, then they're going to be custodians of what was done and raise up prophets who are going to be a part of helping them maintain it. Because the prophetic is a constant pass-through. That's why it's a continuum. It's a constant pass-through. So I want to get you thinking differently. And, and nobody can shift the body like a prophet because God does nothing without his servants, the prophets, except he reveal his secret. There are secrets you need to know about God's future. And, and present agents are not going to do it. The present frontliners may allude to it, whatever, but if God's future is too rocky or too shaky, if it's going to cause too much change and too many shifts, you're not going to hear about it, and that's because it's not given to them. God's not trying to destabilize everything he did just to move into the future. So much of what you want to know and need to know may not be from the present agents because they're not, they're, they cease to be change agents and they're now maintainers because change agents are a different breed altogether. So there are a lot of people who can say, I can pick up this task and I can pick up this and, and I can do that and I can just run with it. You can't if you don't have the flame of the change. You've got to know, behold, I'll do a new thing, that that is not a poetic rhetoric for the Lord. Behold, I do a new thing means new, and the former things are no more. And before they come to pass, I tell you of them. I tell you of them in advance, according to Isaiah, so that you won't think it's your own way that came up with it. And some things he says, I hide until the moment because you'll take credit for my words and you'll say that you knew it all along. I know you didn't know that was in the Bible, but in Isaiah, the 40 chapters of Isaiah, you know, 41 to 45 or 47, those are meaty, meaty prophetic chapters. So there are things that God hid from the present guard because it wasn't their responsibility. It wasn't theirs to do. They are not called to be change agents. They're called to maintain and perpetuate what God gave them to do. So you can keep saying, well, I'm going back to so-and-so and I'm going back to that. Yeah, you could. But the bottom line is when you're not equipping people for God's future, you yourself are not equipping the change agents for the future. And all futurists are change agents because you're caught up in the transition of world events or God's prophetic word to bring it to pass in the earth on time. Now, we're having this conversation, and it's, it's really exciting for you to learn this. Are you all excited about learning this? Is this speaking to you? Because you don't know whether you're past, present, or future. But if you, are, if you want to know, let me invite you to do one thing, first of all, and that is to take my assessment. The standardized ministry assessment will give you some insights into that. Start with the MAQ so we can know if you are a prophet, <laughs> excuse me, and then go to the PAQ so you can find out what type of prophet you are, where you are in God's prophetic progression. You need to know where you are as a prophet, prophesier, 
apostle, intercessor, apostolic prophet. I can tell you right now, God's big push right now is the apostolic prophet. That's a big push. Now, you know, typical of church folks, some of you all are going to throw that adjective on your title and just run with it. But that doesn't mean God's going to honor it, and it doesn't mean that you'll get the, the flame of the change. And that's what happens. You've got to know if you're called to be that. And so we'll have future conversations on it, or maybe when the prophets join me in a bit, you will be able to ask some of those questions. At, why am I presenting my prophets again? I want, you to, I want you to hear from them. They took the program. They finished the program. They took the hits and the tribulation why, and all of that because I'm a change agent. But well, Dr. Price, you've been out here a long time. You know them. Yeah, but I haven't been center stage. See, I haven't been that. You know, they've been holding center stage. They've been in the spotlight. Now is my day, and it's my time, because it's a time for change has come. While they were in the spotlight, I was getting the next, uh, the next dimension, the next segment of the change of what God's going to do. That's why I sound different. Why do I sound different? Because I'm the change agent. I'm for the next thing God is doing, apostolically and prophetically. I know that because I have all of the materials. So while I was in the, in, the, in the cave crying, you know, in the grave dying, come on here, somebody, and while I was in the catacombs roaming around, God was pouring into me and compelling me to write the change because great leaders, and there's none greater than the Lord Jesus Christ, great leaders equip change agents before change happens. Oh, that was, wait a minute, hold on, I got to slam something. You know, I got to uh, 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 slam something. I had to slam it. So God has already tapped his change agents, and he's already tagged them for what he's getting ready to do, for the kickoff of what he's about to do. Now, I know you hear people saying, well, you know, new things are coming. Just because people can say it doesn't mean they can execute it. And change agents are executives. They're initiators, they're igniters, they're pioneers, groundbreakers. You know, they can execute it. I have no doubt, based on my own life and what I know I possess and have not released to the public, I have no doubt that I am the change agent that's going to shift what God wants. And it's going to shift it because of the world to come. So over and over again, you'll hear God do things because of the world to come. There is another world coming, and not a lot of prophets understand that because they're too programmed to the present and the past. They're too cued into what was. They're too, too, too cued into how so-and-so did it, and they want that old anointing. You know, even Jeremiah's anointing is a powerful tool, but it now has to be what? It has to be upgraded. It's got to be mechanized and technologized because we have to now go where the frontier is. And the frontier is a different kind of prophetic. That's why when people say, well, I don't believe in no, in no prophetic assessments, yeah, that's because you're for the past. Because in the past, they didn't believe in it. And in the past, they didn't need it. Because if you were for the future, you'd realize it's a different world and that different tools and different instruments are important to that world. But if you're for the past, you're always guarding the old. 
You're always guarding what was done, and you, and you are not wrong in that. Please hear my heart when I say this. You aren't wrong, but you are excluding yourself. You're eliminating yourself from God's future. So you hear the people, that ain't God, this ain't God, God don't do that, da, da, da. That's how they talked in the past, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. You heard nothing about but what wasn't God. They weren't all that clear about what is God. But you have a lot of tapes. Just go back in all of your tapes and all of your audios, and you'll hear it. No, that ain't God. God wouldn't do that. That's why not. That ain't God. But see, when, when you're for the future, you understand God's future and the tools and the implements and instruments that he will need to tackle what's coming down on his planet, what's happening to his church. See, this is good wisdom. And this is also, uh, this, what I'm saying to you is doubly so for apostles. So here you are telling everybody what is not God. And when you encounter a change agent, the first thing you do is criticize, discredit, and reject because you have no eye to the future. Because if your eyes were open to the future apostolically and prophetically, we would hear very little of the old rhetoric. We hear very little of the old sermons and, and old criticisms. And you'd be looking for the next thing God is doing. <clears throat> and you're looking for prophets who speak to the next thing God is doing and others speak into it. And you can bear witness because God's been telling you that, showing it to you, and equipping you for it. So a lot of times you can say, well, God showed me, but did he equip you? Did he, did he arm you? Did he furnish you for what he's going to do? God has a future. God has a future that won't be held back. He can't because it's tied to times and seasons and generations and companies and people, etc. So he cannot hold back the future. So he has to summon change agents, prophets of change, etc. You know, I watch, uh, I often watch Ashley Science Channel and things like that, and all of those people had visions. They weren't talking about Jesus per se, but they had visions because the spirit, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. But prophecy, the spirit of prophecy is futuristic, and it's not just future telling. It's not just predictive, which is what we like to do. So having said all of that, did you appreciate that? I need some hand claps, some hearts, and some sugar. I need lots of it. So hallelujah. Now, let's go on to, so why are we going this direction? Did you notice that we have a little bit of a, a new set? It's temporary, <clears throat> but we have a new set up today because of a lot of what I just said. I'm inviting a guest and the prophet and two other callers to express what I mean about the prophetic being God's future. And it's not just future telling. It's future shaping and future handling and future imposing, and future enforcing. Now, you hear all of this wisdom? That, where do you think it came from? It came from training. So the woman, uh, the prophet that I had <coughs> coming up today is one of my latest to graduate, to be ordained as a, into the prophet's office. And so she's been in training for a little bit. Uh, and so, but she has, a part of her training was a practice. She had a practicum that she had to do, and the practicum had to span a couple of years, several years. I think in her case, maybe five. 
because the program is extensive. And the program is not extensive because people aren't smart. The program is extensive because God jumps in and he starts banging on your heart and yanking up stuff in your soul and causing all kinds of upsets and upheavals in your life. And all of that takes time. So you hit a milestone in the training, and God said, well, that's good. You, you understand it? Yeah, you applaud. You can agree. And God said, now let's see if you can live it. Because a prophet has got to live the education that they want to, pro- to promote so that they know what the people who are experiencing that education are going through. Because upset and upheavals come when God gets involved. Well, we have a course in our school. Uh, I have a course that I've been de- I've been delivering it. I don't know, several years, and a portion of it is in uh, the school right now under our self study program. But the, the main title of the course is Manifest Prophetic. It's a powerful training. I think it's online, and if not, it probably will be in the fall. But it's called Manifest Prophetic. So I've taught it all over. I've taught it in a lot of churches, and um, and in a lot of sessions and classrooms. But what makes this interesting is that it takes prophecy out of the exclusive realm of future telling or see and say and flee. And it engages the prophet in the project. I know some of you have heard of this because some of you are probably doing it, but you have to have a project. In order for your word to happen, you have to understand that prediction leads to project. Prophecy has to have a project. And so all of my prophets, in order to be effective, they have to finish a project. And they've got to walk it through so that they know what the people are feeling and how to adapt and adjust their communications and their handling to benefit the people, to the people's advantage, and God's fulfillment of his word. Now, I have some scripture for that because, you know, you can't have no, don't have peace scripture. So I have a few for you, but this is what I want you to know. This particular thing is part of her practice. She'll be a part of that. And she's going to uh, let you meet the two people that she walked through. Do you like that idea? I bet you do. <clears throat> uh, Chief Prophet Tyler is going to get on and just kind of sum up the program, synthesize its high points for you, so you will understand that I don't release prophets ill-equipped, but I also don't leave, release them unexposed. And sometimes you think because a person has been out there prophesying a long time, you think they're experienced and they're only exposed. And some prophets are overexposed and underexperienced, which is why they keep yielding the same results. So she's going to do this. This is Tamira. And so she, we had a venture. And so she pulled in the pieces she needed. Uh, she had um, Chief Prophet playing and, and, and coaching her through it. She had me involved both through blog talk radio and through private advisement. And so she came to me this week and she said, huh, they had success. They finally did it. And I said, really? And she began to lay out. The, you know, all of the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and how as she as a prophet couldn't let the ball drop just because they were having difficulty. You know, that's really good. I don't know about anybody else. And see, because I need to know that you are a see it to the end prophet, not somebody who's going to say, spray, and run. And so she's going to share that. So you'll get an opportunity. She'll have the two people that she uh, was working with and that she was prophetically undergirding pop in, share their story. I'm thrilled about that. And then we'll, we'll kind of see. If you have questions, you know, we have some time. We're going to answer your questions. So please 
put them up. Uh, Ashley and uh, Norma will write your questions down so that we can come back to them. But this is going to be amazing. She'll be here in a few moments. But let me give you, I figure, let everybody watch her get her grade and watch her finish what she has to do to be ordained at the event because she will be um, uh, invested and ordained at the June event. So you don't want to miss it. Meanwhile, while we're getting ready to move into the next segment, I think I covered a lot of ground. I'm sure I did. Um, but I want, to, I want to read something to you about prophetic projects, and there are tons of them. The, the most, I think the most massive prophetic project I've ever seen in Scripture is Moses' institution of Israel. That's a massive project. So you're going to have to be in in ministry at least 25, 30, 40 years. You're going to have to have intense training, lots of fights, lots of battles if God's going to trust you in that kind of dimension. But there are ongoing ventures. You know, David's installation of his royal uh, monarchy and his priesthood. But I want to give you just some scripture for you to look at. um, If you have your Bible... And most of you do probably have it in your phone. Turn to Ezra 5.1. I teach this often when I am teaching manifest prophetic and prophetic projects. If you're in your church, your church is a project. All right. Then the prophet, Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edu, who is a prophet, a sea of prophet prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. So there's some elements in there. If you were training and you were holding a class on this, you would first of all understand that we have Haggai as the major prophet. We have Zechariah, the son of Edu, because he's a prophet, but he's a seer prophet because Edu was seer. Okay, and they prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel. Now, you have to understand, they're in a foreign land. They're, they're coming out of exile. They are trained uh, to be Babylonian citizens and um, by now probably more Persian, but still going on. And so they are trained to leave of, of this old country, they never, these prophets never let the culture and the ways of those prophets contaminate them, which is why God could tap them for a project, like the Come Home Project, because Israel's going home. He's, re, he's restarting their covenant, he's reopening their land, and he's going to repopulate it with this particular generation. So they are, but, 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 you know, everybody's not happy when God begins to move. And so because everyone's not happy, what, what turns out to be a real joyous moment for you can become an antagonism to your adversaries. And this was the case. So they were meeting, Ezra was meeting with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, even though the king had sanctioned the project. But the king's staff had a problem. Well, I mean, we're not letting all of these Jews go. We're not going to let you have a, another nation within hours. If we aren't in control, then it's not going to happen, and on and on and on. So if you read all of the accounts leading up to this passage, it makes sense, because this is about Zerubbabel. He's about to, now it's time for him, you know, to get up. 
and start being a priest in his own land. And because these people maintain some semblance of how God does things and his order and his pattern, and they were faithful to him, God trusted them to be his change agents. And that change agency was not just about let's preach a different word. Oh, no, they had to labor. See, this whole idea that prophets just roam around the countryside getting in folk business and living off people's the milk of human kindness or the ignorance of bliss, that's wrong. Because if you're going to be a real prophet with God, you ought to have a project. People ought to know that you not only give the word of the law, but Lord, but you understand what it takes to bring that word to pass, to manifest it in the earth realm. So, verse 5, 2, verse 2. Then rose Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Jehovah, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God, helping them. So the, your, your prophecies don't turn into a hands-off project. The minute you open your mouth, you are as responsible for that word coming to pass as God is. You are responsible for that word landing the right way, tagging the right people, tapping the right resources, motivating and inspiring people, taking the old way off of them, putting the new on them. Oh, are you hearing me today? You are responsible for the people's success. If you have prophesied to them, it's one thing if you've been in, in that house on an itinerant purposes. In other words, you brought in as an itinerant. So now you're, just, you're, you're a counselor. You're, now, you're just delivering the word of the Lord. You're a predictor. But if you are part of the house or if it's a, something that God has entrusted to you, you are equally responsible for its fulfillment. I know we've been told that it's up to God to fulfill the word of the Lord. That's not necessarily the whole truth. Your mantle is needed until the project is done. So you can't just skip on over. That's why we don't we have a lot of progress in the church. Here we had all of these prophets. You all, we've been drenched with prophecy. You've been, they've been hemming you up in corners and everything, and then leaving you when the going got rough. These prophets didn't do that. They dug in because they knew their word was on the line, and if they did not care about their word, then they would cause people to disbelieve the God of the prophets. So at every step of the way, they had to do that. Now, I'm wrapping it up here. Uh, is my guest here? Oh, good, 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 good. So I'm wrapping it up, and I want to go there. Um, I want to go there to uh, Nehemiah 6.14. So the king gave it to you. Just because God gave it to you doesn't mean you don't have to fight the sitting powers, the existing powers, and the resistance. If you believe that God gave it to you, then you need to be bold and strengthened in the Lord. God gave Israel all of those lands, but told Joshua, you better train them to go get it. You better train them to take over, to dispossess the inhabitants of the land. So there, you all are waiting for God to come and do the project, somebody to drop it in your life, a finished product, a finished work. That is not how this works, not in the kingdom of Christ. And if you're a Greco-Roman prophet, that's something else. Because Greco-Roman prophets, uh, they just have to talk. Nobody wants them involved in government. Nobody wants them involved in business or politics, unless, of course, they're permitted to do so by the the, 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 the 
sitting king or the monarch that's on the throne. Otherwise, you are just you just say and go, say and go, say and go. And that's what we have seen as the prophetic model of this generation. Going over to 614. Hmm. I want to say this. In Nehemiah, this is so important to see the tactic. So they sent a false prophet to Nehemiah the scarab. <clears throat> you probably haven't heard it. <clears throat> Excuse me, like this. They sent the false prophet to um, Nehemiah to scare him. And if you look at Nehemiah 6, 10, it says, um, the prophet comes with an evil report, then it comes with scandal, and then it comes with libel and, whole, and slander and all of that. So they, and, and, and Nehemiah knows the king has authorized him. When you know the king has authorized you, you have to realize that it's your job to shift the uh, adversaries from the advocates. That's your job. You need to find out who the adversary is and who the advocates are. And so they, he gave him this evil report. He said, so afterward I came into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, and the son of Mehetabiel, who was shut up, and he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee, yea, in the night they will come to slay thee. So they, you know, Satan is always threatening death, death of your family, death of your house, death of your job, death of your dream. He's always coming to slay something, and he's always threatening to slay. But he had the king's word. And so verse 12 um, verse 11, he said, should, and I said, should such a man as I flee? And who was there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. He said, I'm on assignment. And if that assignment is to end with my life, I'm finishing it. And lo, I perceive, once he spoke faith and he pushed that devil of threat and fear down, he realized, then his prophetic acumen came back. Because that was a text. And so he said, and lo, I perceive that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me for Tobiah and Sound Balat had hired him. So you're going to get a lot of divining people who are prophets. Real, real prophets are going to tell you all the wrong stuff. And going to tell you the wrong stuff because what you are doing and what you're marked to do will unseat them or at, that, at the least discredit what they're doing. And so they don't want that. Therefore, he was hired. Listen to this. This people, listen. Therefore, was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin, and that they might have matter for an evil report that might reproach me. My God, think thou Tobiah and, um, and Sabalat according to these words, and on the prophet, listen to me, and the prophetess Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets that would not, that would have put me in fear. They weren't the change agents. And because they weren't the change agents, they became adversaries of the new thing God wanted to do, protecting themselves. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month of Elah in 52 days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes. But they perceived that this work was wrought of God. So what happened if he had yielded to fear, and if he had been prophetically, um, what do you call it, um, hypnotized? Because some people are prophetically hypnotized. So because these people come, they come very hypnotically. 
And so if he had been prophetically hypnotized, he would have bought into their fear. He would have stopped because I can't suffer loss for this. I know God doesn't want me to suffer. I know God doesn't want me to have a hard time. I know God doesn't want. And so he would have quit the work, and the, the house of God would not have been finished, and the, the glory of God would have been lost, and the heathen would have kept God out of his homeland by keeping his people in captivity. Oh, I got to slap something. Woo! Come on in, daughter. I should have my team. Was that good or was that good? Did you like it? Because a lot of you all, God's people didn't come out of captivity because you bought the highest prophet's lie. Your favorite prophetess. Your favorite prophetess, your favorite prophet, and all of that stuff, prophesying all the same old stuff that they use to keep you in captivity. Hallelujah. And so you would have bought it. But see, I, and I've lived that. I've had people, God give me a word, I'm sure it's God. Next thing I know, I get a string of calls out of nowhere. These people are not necessarily against me, not in the least. Some of them are, but not everyone. Some of them were just just bought into the old ways, the old system, the old, um, the old methods of how God did things and could not see that I'm a change agent. And change agents look unfamiliar. They look unfamiliar. Huh. Yay. So I'm excited. So I'm going to, you all know the Wednesday Warrior Girl. Can you pull it up? <laughs> I know. Okay, we're trying to get everybody situated. And since it's social media, we don't have to look as polished. <laughs> you know, we don't have to look as, you know, whatever. Yeah. Can you get it up? Oh, okay. okay. Are you comfortable? Well, yeah, don't even worry about it. You okay. just sit on down and leave. We're going to move okay. forward. We've got a lot to accomplish today, and so I'm excited. So the first thing I would like to do is reacquaint you with the Wednesday Warrior Nation Prophet. Yeah. You know, when a prophet can talk nations, you know they're about ready to go somewhere. <laughs> so I want to introduce you to her chief prophet, Tyler Price. So if you do, um, you do tune into her on Wednesday evenings. I understand she tears it up every mm-hmm. Wednesday with before the garden, God's eternal continuum. Now, why is she here? I invited her because she is a trainer of the prophets for a near global prophetic company. She's a trainer. She's the God. And she's an apostolic prophet. Told you God is ready to tap apostolic prophets. And our assessment brings that out. It will say if you're an apostolic prophet or not. And I've said in the past, oh, I Lord, that didn't it. help you found it. I get that. Yeah, I'm going to need you to lift, lift you up. Okay. 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 Well, you, you know what you can tell. I don't know. Did it make better? Yeah, it made it <laughs> yeah, We did it. Did you see it? Comedy's good, you know. Life is good for the soul. <laughs> so anyway, but um, so, and I've said before, many prophets have been, elevated into the office of the apostle when they shouldn't have been, when they were, in fact, apostolic prophets assigned to do what Ezra and Nehemiah did in that thing, or what Haggai and and, uh, Zechariah did, rather, in Ezra and Nehemiah that I just read to you, which is to help God's apostolic projects and ventures go forward and and to secure them for success. So she's here. The reason I, I want her to address you just briefly, because she's going to tell you a little bit, probably the short story of our training program, why we put our prophets through we, what we put them through, which is a lie, and uh, because the prophetic is a life 
It's not just a ministry. It's not a function. We've been talking about function. No, but it is a life establishment mantle. The prophetic established the lives of God's people in the present for his future. You've got to get that in your spirit. Because you keep thinking that everything you do is for the here and now. Many people have been trained to want your words to happen like they went to the supermarket. They just picked it off the shelf. They want that, but that's, that's erroneous. So we've, we've kicked this off with Manifest Prophetic. You, she's going to tell you a little bit about our near prophetic, um, global prophetic company, how we get them ready, the standards that we have, and all of that. And then we'll go into the next one to be ordained, which is Tamira Alexander, who is going to be a soldier ordained in June. We're going to look at her prophetic project because she had a project that would let us know what kind of prophet she is, how diligent she would be, how much people can rely on her and lean on her. Hallelujah. And to see that she took a venture from zero to manifestation, to attainment, because every prophecy that starts out with words, that's all you got. So why don't you just share briefly with them what you do, et cetera, as the chief prophet? Well, um, putting it in a nutshell, I don't know if a lot of people know this. Um, It's now under the auspices of Price University, but we offer a ministry credentialing program that allows prophets to go through a training process that will lead to ordination. And so you can get um, ordained through Price University. It's a part, excuse me, it's a part of our practical ministry and non-degree program that we offer here. So you don't necessarily need to have a degree or be pursuing one, um, but uh, you may want to get ordained or, or uh, step into a position in which you can still practice or learn how to effectively, proficiently practice uh, in the office of the prophet. Yeah. So we do do that. Uh, the program, all in all, is uh, we say about 30, anywhere from about 18 to 36 months. It depends on how aggressive, will we say, right, and tenacious the profit. So and how mature is season? Right, because if you come in with uh, a seasoned experience, uh, you come in uh, with a background in training and education, all of those types of things are considered, and it does uh, expedite or can expedite the process. Um, for stepping into that position. So it's about uh, 18 to 36 months, and it comprises you doing some courses and training here and the fundamentals of the prophetic, or what we call core mm-hmm. education, which stands mm-hmm. for common office requirements. Yes. Okay, so you need to understand what the common office requirements are, which are, as you already laid a platform for today, very, very different from the mm-hmm. gift. Um, in terms of that, because we're not here to express, we are here to produce. And so that's what education does. Your education gives you the ability to produce something for society. And we want our prophets to be able to do that and do that well. So we have those fundamental core courses that you'll take first. And then from there, we put you into a independent study project and something we call a praxis. Did you talk about that at all? Yes, right? I did. Yes. And so you can yes. go into it. I can? Okay, good. I can, so, but you can go into it. Well, because I like it. Because, because it ties to, of course, it ties to what the foundation you just laid with the Nehemiah Project. Mm-hmm. So if we were to take Ezra and um, uh, Haggai and put them uh, through the process, right? No, Haggai and Zechariah. Zechariah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zech- uh, you know, one of my Haggai's on the brain today. But uh, Ezra and Zechariah, and we would actually walk them through this process. What they did for Nehemiah would be similar to what we call or how we have modeled our praxis project after for profits. So Dr. Price um, 
challenged us when we were on our way to being ordained with not, you know, we're sitting here, me, it's me, Prophet Ashley, and Prophet Gee at the time, and we're all doing these one-on-one interviews with our, uh, going through our vetting process to see if we are qualifying for the office and, and handled the program well. But she, you know, she challenged us at that time when we were being ordained with this question, and that was, what am I ordaining you to do? And you go on pause because even in education, you go to the classes so you get the paperwork, and then you figure out what you're going to do after that, right? I'm not, I'll figure it out. It'll come <laughs> together. And that's usually the process. But uh, rarely are you asked to, at the beginning of your journey, what you actually plan to do with your degree, what you actually plan to do with your ordination. Um, and I thought it was a challenging question. And after that, we began to revamp a lot of what we did so that you guys can doesn't have that at the beginning, okay, <laughs> you know, but to be thinking about that all along, and why I think it's an important question is because your calling isn't everybody's calling, Mm-mm. so even in the prophetic, you know, well, of course, I'm going to hear from God, I'm going to go be a prophet, but as you pointed out so well, even through the standardized ministry assessment, okay, what type of prophet, a prophet to whom, for what purpose, to achieve what, at what, at, at what level, okay, so what are, what, what are we doing here? And asking those kind of detailed questions, questions that we would ask if we were to go out and start a business, mm-hmm. if we were to go out and run for office, they would want to know, well, what's your campaign? Well, what is your, okay, what's the outcome? What can we expect from you? They want to know all of those mm-hmm. types of things. And I remember you saying that part of the problem we have with credibility and the prophetic is that we can't tell people what we're going to do in their lives, mm-hmm. what kind of impact we're about to have on them. You know, a lot of times prophets just kind of happen to you, but it'd be great if you can go in there and and be able to look at their portfolio, Mm -hmm. look at their resume, look at their history and say, okay, we can look at Ezra Ezra and Zechariah's work and say, okay, we know what to expect from them. Mm -hmm. So the next massive thing we need to do, those are the guys we need Mm -hmm. to call, okay, because they developed a resume from that experience. And so we wanted to set up the program to produce that for the profit so that you can go out there less, uh, can I say, defensive mm-hmm. about people not accepting your gift and just wanting to, you know, snub you and, and, and lay on you and all of this kind of stuff. And maybe because they really don't know what you're doing. And if you can't articulate it well, then it doesn't make the people that you're going to impact more comfortable about you working with them. But if you can give articulation Mm -hmm. to who you are and what you do, I think that that will help bring the credibility needed for people to receive you the right way, hopefully professionally. Mm -hmm. So that is the essence of what the, the program is trying to do on the praxis side of things is to make that a possibility for you. So the practice is your opportunity to actually answer that question throughout your 18 to 36 months. What do you plan to do? And then it allows you to simulate a beta type environment, okay, so that you can work through that and walk that out and see if what it is that you feel like you're called to do or what you're wanting to do with your prophetics is in alignment with who you are and what you can accomplish and achieve. And I think that that's kind of what led us here today to give you this example from CID uh, for one more month, uh, Tamira Alexander. Yes? Oh, yes, I will. Thank you. I'm so glad that Prophet Ashley brought that up. Somebody mentioned they're not being into a fourth class. That's not altogether true, right? Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a 
quality question. So when we're talking about the program and uh, and what it's going to take, I believe we have our, our fees listing online. With this, it's broken up into about three se segments for you, okay? It's a, it's a three-tiered process. So your first tier is going to be just taking your classes online with uh, uh, PriceU. So you can do that by going online, applying for PriceU, and it's an online process. You don't have to be here in Tulsa, although some people wish they were when they get to tier two because <laughs> – I'll let you explain that. I'll let her say that. So it's hands-on. But we do offer financial assistance. So uh, you don't necessarily have to think about what you have in your bank account at the moment, but we can talk about how you can make a positive investment mm -hmm. in your future self as a profit. So if you are interested in it, you can email us, okay? I believe our email for PriceU is uh, info at priceuniversity.org. That's info at priceuniversity.org. Email us and say, I am interested in financial assistance, what your financial assistance uh, program is about and what it consists of. So you can go ahead and do that. And of course, we want to help you get all the way through. Money should not be a reason to stop destiny, should it? Well, money should not be a reason to stop destiny, nor should it be a reason to stop your ability to make money. Right. Uh, you know, exactly. The reason I don't have money is because I don't make money. Well, why don't I make money? Because I don't have money to get the tools I need to become right. economically viable. So yeah, I want to just, as we get ready to introduce Tamira, I'm so excited. Every time I, I, I get a new prophet ready to come on in, I get thrilled because it lets me know the vision that God gave me so many years ago is taking on flesh. It's taking on bodies. And that's what I want to tell you. As far as um, the praxis go, I, I need you to recognize that your praxis season, that period, is your opportunity to put flesh on your bones, on the words that go out. You actually will finish this program with, on success and not just questions. You will finish this program on success. We set you up to succeed, but we also set you up for capability, competency, and as a result of the two, confidence. Imagine knowing that you will leave with a resume. Yes a prophetic resume of all of the things, a journal, because she has to put this in a portfolio, a journal of success so that you don't walk out there saying, what am I doing? What am I saying? How do I know? Is it a word? And all of those things that they put you out on and they release you on in those three-week, three-day, maybe six, 12-month programs, you need to step out on success. Everybody that God uses has a success document. Moses was documented. Mm -hmm. All the wisdom of the most, okay, documented. Abraham, documented. Prophet in Babylon, documented. Everybody that God uses has a Deborah documented as a warrior and a, and a, 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 a public official with JL. We can go down the line. David, documented. 20 years on the run, documented. We put you out undocumented. So you don't know, and you still got to hope you're hearing from God. By the time you get to fighting them devils, you're not sure whose voice you are. Glory to God. And I will say this one thing as we just transition very small, and I, I love the fact that you point, that pointed out the success document and how important that is to your confidence, you know, even as a prophet. But it also gives you a measurement, because you mentioned success, mm -hmm. a measurement of your own success. Mm -hmm. There's a question in the, the, the one of the um, um, uh, profiles that you have to complete to get to the practice point. 
that, you know, ask you, well, you know, who are you reaching? Who's your audience? What does that look like in action? And et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of our students have difficulty with that because you make us come and tell us why you profit, Mm -hmm. what's your profit's message, what's your profit's mandate, and how is it going to, you know. So we're sitting there like, Lord, because of black, you are awesome. No, yes, it's it's the truth. And I do appreciate it because it just challenged me to actually be clear. And here's why I liked it. At first, it was kind of like squirming the seat. I don't know. I mean, I'm, oh, no, I just want to prophesy, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. You know, so it's really hard because you're not used to giving intelligence to what you do, not in this craft because it's all spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. But what I liked about it is that not everyone can uh, uh, determine the level or the degree of your success, and that's what I like. Because if you feel like your call is to everybody to do everything any old kind of way, then anybody can destroy you, mm-hmm. and anybody's criticism can take you out. But when you have that document of success, mm-hmm. you can go back and measure yourself against what you set out to achieve and what you know the Lord told you your achievement goals and, and outcomes would look like. Mm-hmm. He did it for Jeremiah, didn't yeah. he? He didn't just tell him, go prophesy. He said, this is what it's going to look like when you go do it, and this is what I'm expecting as a result. And having that, so Jeremiah didn't need Hananiah to approve him. Mm-hmm. He didn't need all the princes of Israel to agree for him to know that he was achieving what God called him to do. So I think that success document is mm-hmm. so important for that, to maintaining your hope, your faith, and your confidence when those blows come. Well, we're going to shift to Tamira. And as we do, just remember, a quality trainer wants you to step out on success. That's what they want you to do. And they can't do that if they don't have a program for you to follow to establish that success and measure it. Well, Tamira, this is your, ah, I know, you're usually behind the camera. I'm usually behind it. Yes. But um, so I want you to start just just briefly summarizing your experience with the program and then introduce your project and then you can go to your guests or whenever when you want. I'm, su- I'm assuming they're on the line. Okay? So, and, and so you can say, you can kind of guide them, you know, because we don't have a whole lot more time. We want to get as much in as we can. Okay. But you can guide them and shift them in their testimonies and how it works, even from the beginning. Okay. Well, first, I started the program about uh, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and starting at first with the accessory program and then transitioning from the intercessory program into the uh, PIT program, from the, the profit and training program. So uh, with the profit and training program, we each had to show, like Dr. Price and profitologist said, this was, we now transitioned as the intercessor from the praying portion, praying with uh, the people of God to now showing it in action. And so with showing it in action, I was assigned uh, is also with PPM Global to pray for, and then also I was assigned by Dr. Price a prayer project um, <laughs> with uh, one of the clients, uh, Tirza Sijitan Perry. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I received her as a project, and we began with Dr. Price saying that this is her business. She started a new business. She started a daycare, and with that daycare, it required me to go in from the beginning to assist her to be the prophet in her life to grow the business. And so with that program, uh, the program now, with the PIT program, it was now my job to show in action all the things that I, I had done in previous years as an intercessor. And this was the biggest test of my life to see, you know, if I could not just pray someone through, because the praying piece is easy, you know, and, and pre- yes, but now I had to produce a tangible product in a new business. And so the journey began. And the beginning of that journey was definitely, I would say, building the spiritual infrastructure 
Uh, and that's something Dr. Price taught us, uh, as even as intercessors, that you can't produce something in the natural. You can't get tangible manifestations until you build this spiritual infrastructure. So I would say at least the first two years was about building the infrastructure and knowing what you're working with, not just building the business, but also knowing the person. And so I had dual things I had going on there, building her and knowing where she was, assessing her first to know where she was, you know, even in, as a Christian woman. So in doing that work and then also building the business. So with that, we met every Wednesday. Um, and, and then also that piece was very important, too, uh, because that's something else, Dr. Price, you taught us as well, that when, when we pray, it has to be on the schedule. It can't be the schedule where you're like Monday this week and Friday <laughs> next week. If you want God to show up, you have to show him consistency. So we also, you know, pray every week or at that same time on that same day until the business begins to blossom. Um, and so one of the first uh, tests was um, uh, uh, tears are asking me about an opportunity for her to get a grant for her business. And so with that, that was she asked me, should I do it? And I was like, yes, let's go after it. Now, this was a big opportunity for us because her business was small, but a lot of the people that were also going after the grants had larger businesses and been around for a long time. And so we prayed on it, and we continue. I continue to seek the Lord even in my personal time concerning the project, and um, she actually made the final cut. It started out out of 50 uh, daycares. Mm -hmm. She made the final cut to the 10, and then she actually won. Mm -hmm. So right out of the gate, you know, I would say that was going into our second year. That was definitely, that helped me as a prophet and trainer to, because also as a prophet and trainer, you need to know that the Lord is with you. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to see the nice. It would be nice <laughs> in this journey to see some, you know, progress, not just progress in them continuing to go mm -hmm. uh, or grow, but also within yourself. So she received the grant, and not only did with that grant gave her some funds, but it also gave her opportunity in marketing and advertising. And so with that, the business also began to grow. She was able to do some remodeling. She got favor with the landlord. And also it was, uh, it's important to also know that we just wasn't building the business, but what does it take out of the prayer closet? There was marketing and advertising. There was networking in the community. It was also getting out and not just praying only and praying that God would bring the people in. It was me teaching her how uh, to read books on businesses and how to grow a business. It was reading books on leadership, how do you become a great leader in a great CEO. It was also teaching her about even myself. I grew with that as well because I had to help her. So that was, I had to learn as well. And also doing seminars with her employees. All of those things were the tangible manifestation, not of just praying and hoping people would come through the door, but doing the work to see the manifestation. So we went into that for about two years and then I ended up with another client also um, with a school and her name is Cammy, and with and with Cammy's uh, situation, she already had a school for a long period of time, but now was uh, struggling with the um, with making the decision whether or not she wanted to continue on the journey she was on, or step out on faith to uh, start her business on her own. And so with that, uh, I, I've had Cammy for almost three years and Tasha for five years. And so she jumped out. She asked me what was the word of the Lord. I prayed, and God said it was time for her to step out on faith and believe the word of the Lord. So she did. She stepped out on faith for God to even also give her a new building, and her building, she is students K-12. So that was huge. It wasn't just like, you know, a starter company like mm -hmm. uh, Tirza, but she had a large population of students. Which well, hers was an inherited business. Uh, an inherited business, you know, from her mother, a private, uh, a private um, school mm -hmm. called RTL. 
And so with that, we jumped out in, in the water. She believed the Lord, and it was my job. I had to grow because now I have a new, a new business, but I also have one that's been around for a long time. And she was trusting that she would not suffer loss at the word of the prophet. And so with that, we transitioned into putting her into a new building. And also, I think it's important to note that I also partner with the apostles. Mm-hmm. And knowing the times where I need to get counsel <laughs> from the chief apostles and also the chief prophet, or, you know, in, in areas where I felt that um, I needed help. And so with that, she called in a couple of times along the journey. But let's go back. Go so you proved that there's a, there's a need for a collaborative effort. A collaborative because effort. many prophets are so long ranger, yes. they won't That's reach out point. for prophets or That's apostles or people with expertise and that which they prophesy. Yes. You can continue. Yes, knowing my limitations. <laughs> and so with that, I knew, uh, well, even when I would pray, even concerning Cammie and her company, I knew when it was time for her to speak with the apostle. Mm-hmm. And, and our one, our, one of our first tests, and that was getting her into a building, I knew I had did all the work that I could do and reaching out to the chief apostle to hammer it all the way in. She called in to the show, uh, asked for prayer, told Dr. Price that she needed to be in a, a building within two weeks. Dr. Price prayed it in and said God was going to give you the building. Two weeks later, she was in the building. Mm. And so with that, I now had dual projects of keeping the small business growing. <laughs> and we all know that they say if it, if it makes the first five, five years, it's going to be around. Could, yes, it's going to be around. So every year I was counting. We made the first year. We made the second year. We made the third year. And with that, even through that, it was ups and downs. Uh, with Tasha Business, she uh, had uh, an issue in the summertime because if small businesses they struggled during the summertime. And so we came up with innovative activities, and she got into doing a lot of programs in science and math and decided that she would just start a summer program. And guess what? That brought in mm-hmm. extra revenue. And with Cami as well, and that continued on. And one of our, our next biggest tests with uh, Tasha was that uh, some of the kids got sick in her school, and it spread throughout the whole school. So we went from growing, growing, growing to another test, <laughs> and then it actually shrinking again because of that and then regrowing it again. So it wasn't as if it just grew, grew, and grew. We had a lot of tests along the way to uh, lead us to this five years. And with Cami, her business also continued to grow. But with that, she also was becoming a greater, you know, business leader mm-hmm. and understanding what it means to stand on her own because mm-hmm. before she had the uh, backing of her, her mother and then eventually her father, but she went on to understand taking a journey with the Lord to recognize that God put it inside of her mm-hmm. as well, and it wasn't just something, an inheritance that was given to her mother and her father. So she went on to grow as well. And so, and you all through all of this, you're still meeting with them regularly. Like you're not varying that meeting date, still, no matter what. No matter what. And meeting with them separately, too. I never assumed that God, because sometimes as a prophet, you know, your life, you know, gets busy. And you're like, well, let's combine it. No, it was never a combination. <laughs> and so I, I met with uh, Tasha on Wednesdays, and I met with Tammy on Thursdays. And so with that, that continued for several years until the time came where God wanted to merge it to Now, how much time did you spend with them in these years? Well, it, it literally goes from 30 minutes to okay. an hour, depending okay. on the what they need. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, with Tasha, it was more work because she was a new business. Mm-hmm. And so doing that work in the infrastructure for her, building her up and just believing that God was with her. And so with her, I began to see even more spiritual growth, also business growth, but spiritual growth with her as well. And letting them know, even as a prophet in training, when they needed to do the work. Mm-hmm. 
because a lot of times you can just lean on a prophet and say, I need this, this, and that, but also going them to the point that they could pray. I noticed even with Kami as well, her prayer times began to get better mm-hmm. and them becoming stronger, their declarations getting better, mm-hmm. their belief and their confidence in themselves and in what the Lord could do in them as they're in, a, in their vessel became stronger as mm-hmm. well. And so we continued on even with Kami having to uh, even praying in agents, so that was another part, too, that you taught us, you know, we don't have just uh, angelic help, but God has to bring in agents on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so we came uh, just having come, uh, different uh, situations where she just needed not only funding, but she also needed to pass inspections mm-hmm. and just praying in agents in these different organizations in the city for help mm-hmm. and her paperwork rising to the top. And sometimes, like, God give us grace as we maneuver things. And for her, um, she moved on even with favor in that, in that building that mm-hmm. she had. God gave her favor at the Catholic Diocese. And then the father there, he helped her out. And when it was time to move on, we moved on. Uh, to lead us to where we are today, where it finally came where God said he wanted a merger between the two of them. And who expected that? I did not expect it. <laughs> I knew that they were going to be but great. two is better than one. <laughs> it's better than one. So now after years of praying with them separately, God wanted to bring them to bring the two of them together. And that ended up being the greatest test of our lives. So, uh, and this... <laughs> Can we just know that so we went into a project where um, we, they actually called into the show, mm-hmm. and um, Dr. Price, you prayed for Tasha, and you told her that a partnership was coming. Mm-hmm. And then that partnership came literally <laughs> probably like a week after uh, after uh, the prayer, and uh, we began that journey. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about? Well, are they on the phone? They're on the phone. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I want to start with was it Tammy's first call or Tasha who first called? Um, Okay, so Tasha, we'll start with you, and then we'll let you two tag team for a little bit to just tell your side of it and what what uh, inspired you to call the show and all of that kind of stuff. Okay, can you hear me? We can. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Yeah, we're trying to turn so, you to right. Okay. It's, okay. okay. Well, um, All right. when I spoke with my intercessor during, at the end of the year, December, she told me that it would be a good idea for me to speak with uh, Dr. Price. So I called in and Dr. Price gave me uh, some advice because I was pondering if I should close the center or um, close the center to rebuild. And so basically you told me that God said that he was going to send partnership, he was going to send funding, and I just had to believe and stand on God's word. And literally a week later, it was actually um, New Year's Day that I received a phone call, and it was a partnership. So we accepted that day, and as well as not only was it a partnership, but it was a a building that we both was interested in, and we moved forward, but we we couldn't close. We couldn't close the deal 
So we still said that we were going to stay as partners. We just went on doing our due diligence, finding other buildings. But our dilemma was, again, we couldn't close the deal. And so we would go back and meet with Samira, uh, and she would tell us, you know, we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep praying. I didn't think God was, wasn't finished with this, the first deal that we had on the table. So we continued to pray. As we prayed and stood on God's word, we moved forward with looking for different buildings. We didn't want to just stay, stay still and not doing the work. Mm-hmm. So now, how do we go from here? You got you, you you couldn't close. You decided to stand. And can you share um just abstractly, and I mean really just briefly, some of the opposition you faced? You don't have to go in detail. We don't name names, but just you know, if you say that it was zoning, or if you say it was you know buyer or seller or renter or whatever. You can let us know some well, of the, mm-hmm. the differences that you have to. Well, some some of it was it was the the seller. We thought we had the deal sealed, and then one day we got a phone call and said they were pulling, they were backing up from the deal. And so now it it we felt we felt heartbroken, and we just stood though we didn't because Lord knows I would sit and I would break down and I would cry. And I said I wasn't. I was going to stand on the word. I called intercessor Tamira, and I told her, and I knew within myself that I was growing because I know that I am a crybaby. And then I would sit and i cry, and I said, no, I'm going to believe you, God. This is what the word of the Lord is. This is what the word of the Lord has been declared over our lives, and I'm going to stand. And so that's what we did. We stood, and we just kept moving. We kept moving and, and um Intercessor Tamira, when she would pray, she would pray that we would carry the anointing of the uh, a closing anointing. That's what our our prayers started to become tar- where they were always targeted. But every time we would have a opposition, she would target that prayer. And so the prayer towards the end was closing the deal. How do we carry the anointing of a closer? And so that's where we are here today. Uh, well, Cammy, you with you? Up on that. Yes, okay. I'm here. Hello. Well, <laughs> now you gotta speak loud though, because you know you got a thought for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, I believe, and I want to answer the question. A lot of the opposition also um, it came from the buyer, but it also came from uh, people that were connected with the buyer. The buyer had actually two buildings that uh, we could possibly get. We really wanted the, this building um, in another city. Um, we, we liked the one that he initially wanted to offer us that he pulled out the deal on, but we really wanted this other building that he had. But we never said anything. We just said it would be nice if we could have that building. Um, like Tasha said, we stood on the word of God. And then um, as we would pray each week, um, Tamira kept saying she didn't feel like it was over. She didn't feel like it was over. I don't think either one of us felt like it was over. About three weeks ago, I got a phone call. The buyer once again called me and said that he had he didn't even get to the point where he had another building. He actually told me that he had rented the other building to someone else, and I was very, very disappointed. And I couldn't even speak with him anymore. I had to get off the phone 
with him because I was very, very hurt, and I called Tasha crying and everything. And um, my husband, with his wisdom, got on the phone with the buyer, and he started working out the deal. The next day we were in a meeting, um, and from there uh, we signed, what, three weeks? We signed the lease today. And so now we have a building, the building that we always wanted, that has more space, that has more classroom space, and both of us now have schools and a place that is very, very affordable for both of us to move into on May 1st. 2018. Let's say congratulations. All right, you all are aggressive, y'all. Congratulations, Mr. Lewis. But now, can I ask you um, if you, if it's possible? I understand from uh, Tamira that you also sought counsel elsewhere and would have missed it had you followed that counsel. Can you kind of just give us that whole scenario without, you know, again, we don't name names yes. and stuff, okay? Of course. Uh, um, the uh, I can say the uh, the later part of last week, um, I, there was an inside fight with the buyer. He was having some issues within his family where they didn't really want to sell. They didn't want to give us everything, um, and it was it was actually already my inheritance. Um, this actual building and the actual school itself is actually my initial original inheritance, um, but. Um, he was having some problems, and I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to fight, and so I was giving up. I was saying, you know, what we'll do is we'll just find us another building. I just don't want to do it, you know, and so I was giving up, and I called um, someone for advice, and um, they told me that um, they told me that I should just find my own building, and I was told, and, and I was calling them for wisdom, and they're, they're a, a spiritual um, a spiritual guide for me as well. And um, they told me just to give it up by my own building and that I would do better if I found my own building. And so at that moment, I told Tasha, I said, that's it. We're done with this deal. I'm going to give up the deal. I'm not going to go forward with the deal. And Tamira called me and literally, yeah, she she, uh, she got on my case really good. Yeah, she laid me out seriously. Yeah, she laid me out and told me that. Yeah, she laid me out. We're gonna let her tell what she actually said because I'm sure that that was a hot button for her. Now I'm going to interject for just a moment here, and I want to say to you who are listening that a prophetic project means the prophet can't waver. Ah. Even though you're, 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 I mean, you're, you know, they done told you they done came three times, we done cried, went to bed, we done gave the deal back, we walking away. But the prophet has got to bring to pass the word that started the project. And so mm-hmm. let's hear about this prophet. She said, you lay her out. Did you lay her out, out, or did you lay her out? Well, you said something earlier, I think it's important to uh, say, and that is your mantle is needed until the job is done. And so as we were uh, literally entering to this last space, this was the hardest space ever. And I can even say, even in my own personal life, it was just craziness all around. And I was still trying to hold this baby as well, juggling several things at the same time. And um, knowing that I'm going in prayer and saying to the Lord, but I know you said this deal is done. 
and it was and it's important to also say that they were not getting called back from the other two buildings that they had looked at. Nobody was calling them back at all. We just literally going in a big old circle, and they're like, "What are we gonna do?" And I'm just like, "We gonna stand on the word of the Lord." So I um, I received a text message uh, that Cami uh, was about to change her mind on the deal. I called her. I listened to her. I did listen to you, right? <laughs> yes, you did. She said, you get it. <laughs> I, I let her get it. I let her get it. I get all and um, it's important to also know that this was a pastoral council. Mm-hmm. We, we will say that as well. And so I listened to all of that. And then I said to her, um, I, to, I walked her through the process of what Jesus had to do on the planet. Mm-hmm. And that the fact of him coming to the planet wasn't just about him saving humanity. But it was bigger than that, but him to be able to say that he's the sovereign of sovereigns and be able to get his own inheritance in the planet. And so I told her that she misunderstood the whole journey of this three years and that this three years wasn't about her uh, attaining a building, but it's about her literally becoming a warrior Mm -hmm. and learning what it takes to not just get a building, but to keep a building. Mm -hmm. And so this whole journey, I've been telling her that what God wanted to do was establish an institution between the two of them, but the infrastructure inside of her wasn't there to do it at that Mm -hmm. point three years ago. Mm -hmm. But three years later, going through the wilderness process is there. Mm -hmm. So because, and I I literally walked her through the fact that God always kept her in the building. Mm-hmm. So this other counselor was like telling her it was about a building. And I let her know that God said it was not about a building, but it was about building you to become his warrior. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of that, and it's so important to know because she literally was about to give up her inheritance for someone who had not walked the journey out for three years mm-hmm. and was literally about to walk her out of her destiny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus. My God. What a word. What a word. What a word. My God. I think was for why you when you're in a, a faith fight you don't need a hundred voices. Mm-mm. I mean you know and, and the multitude of counsel is good when you just start, but once you have locked in on that idea and the warfare and and, and the warfare starts happening, you need to stay clear because that's what the enemy does to create that confusion so mm-hmm. that you end up either diverting mm-hmm. okay or just uh, altogether stagnating mm-hmm. on that issue. And I think that that's a very profound thing. I love that piece, and if you are going to be uh, a collaboration with people, they need to all be the people of the same mind. Yeah. Okay? Well, I was going to say, what I thought was interesting is that at the last minute, you don't introduce unfamiliar people, people who are unfamiliar with the project, the venture. You certainly, it's not the time, if it's been working all the way up to the part of, as you just said, the deal is set, we're closing. You do not enter the close of the project with someone else's counsel and someone else, because their their counsel may be perfect for another situation, but as you just said, they didn't walk them through this time. They didn't walk her through her three years, so they could only give their canned responses. And I think it's important to point out, too, that the the consultation was also, and I want to make that distinction uh, as well, also not with another prophet. Not that another prophet can't derail you because we just read Noah Dyer. Um, but, you know, that, all right, I do want to point that out. Because if they are a, a practitioner, another practitioner that like it is in any industry that's worth their salt, they can come in and pick right up. Because you don't, I mean, you do it on the phone all the time. You'll pick up exactly with where the continuum of where God would be in that person's life if they really are that prophet that is hearing from God, that is in his frequency. Mm-hmm. A divination won't cut it. No. You know, because you can easily but divine. But divination is what was going to take out. Well, because they, right, take out Nehemiah. 
because you can easily divine somebody's heart. Like, you know, in this instance, and, and Cammie, I'm just using this as an example, but you can divine someone's frustration and someone's weariness and speak right into that. Mm-hmm. But uh, 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 an accomplished person that has the right training will go above that frequency, go above the obvious, and hit the continual line mm-hmm. of where God is moving in that person's life. Very good. Now, I would like to bring in our other two prophets, because I think you should hear from those who did finish the project and and how they, you know, kind of got to where they are, because they've gone through. But meanwhile, um, is there anything that you would like to say, either Tasha, while they're coming, Tasha or uh, Cammie, uh, about how the entire venture worked for you, how the process and uh, of the project advanced to the point that you are here? Like, what does it do for your faith in the prophetic, maybe, or in your future venture? For me, it the tell that my spiritual growth it has grown tremendously. I in the beginning I would just always okay I need to speak to Tamir I need to speak to Tamir I need to speak to Tamir and then it became a part where I can just go to the Lord myself because I was getting stronger, you know, and also my ear was more king to him where I can hear him say, okay, I need you to do this, where I need you to do that. I, and I, I wanted to mirror backing, but I also knew how to get up on my own for prayer time, 3 o'clock in the morning. God would start waking me up, you know, to pray. Even if I didn't know what I was praying on, it would give me the urge to get up and pray. And so just till now I've seen how, looking back five years ago to where I am today, that I am a new woman in Christ. And, you know, I just give God the glory, and I thank God for you, Dr. Price, for always leading and guiding me, and as well as um, intercessor Tamira for keeping me on track on those days that I, did, that I just wanted to give up. But I can say towards the end, from January to this point, I knew what I what I stood for, I knew why I was here, and I wasn't going to back down. And we made it to the finish line. We made it. Congratulations. Amen. How about you, Did you want to get some closing remarks? Yeah, I definitely uh, agree. Definitely with what everything that Tasha said. Um, I feel like I'm a warrior now. Um, <laughs> Um, I've, and those are the words that Tamir spoke over me constantly, that God was creating me to be a better leader and a warrior for him. And, you know, um, I, I also learned a lesson as well that, you know, some people may not always understand though their, their wives, you know, and, and things that they do um, as far as, you know, pastoral care and things like that. But I also learned that if they're not, you know, in the journey with you, that they don't necessarily understand, and there's nothing wrong with that, and you don't lose respect um, for them in that manner, but also that I can go to God for myself, and also, you know, I thank God that I do have Tamir, but I also have developed a closer and a tighter relationship with God where I can hear from him more clearly and know that as long as I'm trusting in him and as long as I keep him first, that things will work out. So I thank you all as well. Well, it's a yes. blessing. We thank you both for joining us today. 
we're going to talk a little bit and give the other prophets an opportunity to, um, to speak to this issue, even from your experiences, especially with you all being groundbreakers. Your venture was me. Y'all project was me. Ongoing. Ongoing. Never end. Hallelujah. So who wants to go? Praise God. God bless you all. I mean, uh, Adia. Well, do you want to just speak on like our own, our own journey in terms of like how? Well, just the principles and the practice and the methodology. I think it was, I think, oh, it was in there. Okay, so I think that um, it was, um, hearing from Kamir was great, and I think hearing from the prophets is great, especially for those out there to know that everybody's prophetic journey uh, is different, even though we have a universal standard for the program mm-hmm. itself. But being able to hear from her, you know what I mean, knowing that she is uh, an intercessory prophet, um, a therapeutic prophet, and getting to see how, and what an intercessory sister like 12 times. Yeah what an intercessory prophet actually looks like in action mm-hmm. and how that whole thing, you know, comes together and how intercessory prophets partner with people, not just as intercessors. Mm-hmm. And I think that she pointed that out very well because she talked about um, how she had to use a combination of prayer and, and the prophetic word and even prophetic um, and strategies for prophetic implementation. It wasn't enough for her to just speak the word and, and edify them and encourage them. The Lord will do it. And the Lord will do it. It'll work out. But she gave them actual implementation, you know, uh, divine strategies that they could implement so that the word could actually come to pass. And so, and she took responsibility for it as an intercessory prophet to ensure that the word on these people's lives would not return void because the word was trying to return. And so she stopped it, stood in the gap and not just in prayer, but literally stood in the gap and faced off with the the people that were involved, what was going on in the souls of the individuals, the spiritual, you know, backlash that was happening in that moment. So all of it had to be dealt with and addressed. Um, and not be, to be sure, rather, that the word would not return void. And so those are some of the things that I've walked away with as far as, you know, understanding what that looks like in action. Because for every type of prophet, it's, it's mm-hmm. a different practice experience, would mm-hmm. you say? Well, we, we encourage them. No, I don't. I kind of instruct them. Okay. To, <laughs> number one, don't pick a, pra- a practice that, fasc- that fascinates you. Those are, yeah. You know, because a lot of times people overreach. And I have to see to it that... These prophets don't overreach because if they overreach, then what will happen is they'll fail. And when they fail, they're not going to take responsibility for their overzealousness. They're going to say the program didn't work. And they're going to say that they really shouldn't have gotten in it when, in fact, they went above their ability. One of the things the assessment does is it will take your level of, of capability. So you weren't reaching out like you're a global prophet and you just really tried to, you know, can I just pray my neighborhood in, right. all right? And so when they choose their practice, their practice must coincide with their level yes. of capability. 
Now, competency will grow as they engage in the venture, but you have to not overreach. Part of why so many profits are, um, are discredited now is because they overreached. They caused their prophecies to go into realms and into dimensions of God's archives that they had no access to. And when they got there, they hit a doing, doing. You know, God would do the doing, doing. And they got there, and they they found themselves coming back with no words. So now I'm standing in front of a crowd of hundreds or thousands, and I have to say something. Because I'm here, and I'm supposed to be a big, bad prophet. But you overreached. First of all, you shouldn't have been in a crowd that big if God wasn't going to give you words to fit the crowd and fit that level. You shouldn't have been there, you know, private meetings, classrooms, you know. I think that prophets ought to do classwork. You ought to not only be trained, but you ought to spend some time training to understand how to open this thing up and how God opens it up. Many people do not know how God opens up the prophetic. They don't know how he opens it up because they're too busy doing human techniques. I hear the Lord say, no, we don't. You heard the Lord say nothing. You haven't been there long enough. God is not step and fetch it. You're not going to snap your finger and say, God, talk. And you're not going to give me the impression that you and God are so close that you can just start out like that because you, if you need to do all of that to warm him up, you know, you don't need to warm up the Holy Ghost. But you do need to enable him to trust you mm-hmm. and to give you access. And, and, and you mm-hmm. think you have access until you try reaching into those realms and God says nothing. And not only says nothing, but he freezes the room. Like nobody is getting known. Mm-mm. And he lets people know you don't have access in that dimension in those archives. That's a very important thing. Your mm. Yeah. I think it bears noting that, and you said this before, based on your assignment also determines the best thing you're trying to prove. And since your prophet was a very high call, which at the time, what does that mean? Give that phrase. Uh, our training was from God and from you was geared toward that. You always knew as our mentor yes. who God called us to be when we couldn't see it, yes. when we still can't see it, when we're still trying to see it. And uh, strategically orchestrated circumstances to bring out the strengths and the uglies. Yes. Need to know those uglies are there? Those, mm-hmm. You know, Moses' uglies mm-hmm. in that moment when God is telling you to do something. And like you said, you stand in front of a million people mm-hmm. and you do the wrong thing. Because and that's that issue, you've always done the wrong mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and so going through the process, we were both raised in some of God, not in the same church. But, yeah. And so coming with the rosy eyes, everything, stars in our eyes. Mm-hmm. We're going to serve God. I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do. I'm not sure if any of us really knew what we wanted to do. I think we all had other dreams mm-hmm. in mind, but only to see that this is the vehicle that God was going to use for those other dreams. Because mm-hmm. until you're connected with your mentor, you add your own interpretation and application mm-hmm. to what you think God is showing you. Mm-hmm. Because your vision is limited, your knowledge is limited, and all those things. And so when he brings your mentor, Careful what you pray for, I'm telling you. Because <laughs> I, I, I was like, there's got to be more to God than this. It was nothing deep that I ever said. I didn't know deep. So I couldn't say deep. There's got to be more than this. I, I feel like I have heard the same kind of messages over and over and over again, not taking away from the ministers that were out there, but it just wasn't enough for me. And then I met you. And that was like, uh, 
very different. I know. This is very deep. Mm-hmm. This is very different. <laughs> you know, I just have no idea what to do with it, but I kept coming back. And through the process, learning how God makes giants, mm-hmm. how he makes people great. And it is through great opposition. It's through great testing, great trying, mm-hmm. great rewards, great perks. We have got to talk about the rewards of this office, yeah. too. And who God has, uh, what we are empowered to do, what we can reach into, what we can manifest, what we can produce. Man, when these mantles are trained and you don't know what you're doing, mm. you can get in with the Holy Spirit mm. and he can lead you to some amazing solutions mm-hmm. that you cannot find outside of that training. Um, teaching us the dignity of the office. Yeah. Leadership mystique. All of those things. <laughs> to be something God can use. I remember when she was talking about those sessions, one of our first professors, you haven't been evaluated as a prophet until you sat across the table from Dr. Paul Bright. Mm. I'm just going to say that. Now, after that, you will know exactly who you are, who you're not, and what you can become should you choose to continue with the process. So I think it was my first evaluation with you. (laughs) I felt like I was 10 years old (laughs) sitting across the table from Dr. Bright. She's asking me what I want to do as a prophet. I, I, you know, I was saying all these things that sounded good to me. And she said, you know, the problem with that list is that's all for you. And none of that is for the Lord. Now, I was destroyed. <laughs> because I just knew I was God's girl. I was a church girl. I'm here for the minute I'm you. Second, she hey, I'm not here for God. And then the Lord began to show me in the subsequent months, how I was not there for him. I was there for me and what I wanted to do with all of this stuff. And so having the right mentor and the right training, and even having a mentor who's going to tell you, you're not ready. It doesn't matter what the world is saying to you. You're not, huh? Or what you're saying to you. We know what we're saying to ourselves. You're not ready in these areas. Uh, that's a huge piece, and I think that's a lot of reasons why people mm-hmm. don't submit to mentorship, mm-hmm. why prophets don't submit to mentorship, is because they don't want to hear that. But having someone like you and with some of the Price University program to pinpoint where you're not, where you are, what you need to do to become. Mm-hmm. Well, that's in- mm-hmm. it's interesting. And if you, we have a, a, some time for questions, so if you have any, why don't you just start keying them in while I address that and then give um, – just a, another statement to make about tr- what do you call it, trusting uh, and being trained, mm-hmm. even the need for chief prophets. You know, we need chief prophets. We need apostolic prophets. We need you all to stop jumping into the office of apostle because you think it's more prestigious because it is yeah. in many ways very dichotomous to the office of the prophet. And the prophet is, in fact, the oldest office of all of the five folks. And so, therefore, there is a legendary and uh, uh, there's a legendary superiority to this office, but there's also a legendary temperance to this office that you have to be able to tap into. It's God's legacy office. And I know it sounds great to say we're apostles and whatnot, but the office of the prophet is that legacy office that tells you that it reaches all the way back to the, literally, not only the cradle of civilization, but it reaches all the way back to the infancy of humanity and civilization at large. And it's at that point, that is the mantle that brought civilization all the way to where it is today. I need you to stop getting those false ordinations and stop jumping into all of this stuff because that's not God. If you're called to be a prophet, you are joining the ranks of something that 
that literally predated every office you can aspire to and predated everything that God has used ministers to do and built as ministries as we've gone on. I, I really wanted to get that out because, you know, when I talk to people and they tell me I'm an apostle and God say, no, they're not. You know, you all just think when you tell God, you tell us what God said, you think that's one side. But God was in your prayer closet with the spirit of delusion or confusion or assumption. So he was there to be able to say, no, they're not. And I'm still sitting there having this private conversation with God because, you know, you got to get these four tracks with the Holy Ghost. Right. And in my case, probably more like 70 tracks, but that's okay. <laughs> but so he said no. And I said, but God, they're saying they're not. He said, I was there. They're not. I, that is not what I told them. Mm-hmm. I said, well, God, they're all out here. He said, then they listen to another God. That's a mm-hmm. presumptuous thing. And so if you're operating on presumptuous prophetics because it makes you feel good, then that's scary because there are people, not just myself, God's got high leaders who can tell you you're not in that office, and you know what you'll say? Sitting on my gift. Nobody cares about your gift. Mm-hmm. We're talking about protecting an institution that goes all the way back in time and that has served God from the beginning of civilization, from the beginning of humanity. So we ought to know whether or not you'll jump in, jump out. You know, it's not a, this is not leap around the eternal sphere. This yeah. is really God continuing something that he's going on. And most gifts cannot speak to the continuum. Mm-hmm. Even if they're trained. I've met people say, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I heard you. I watched your daughter. And they say something I'm like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that didn't end well. Because sometimes God needs to pierce the soul. Mm-hmm. And so when they would sit there, and I, because most of the times I have a lot of people come to me and they want to show me how prophet they are. And I'll tell you, when I was younger, I probably, you know, with a whole other person right now, I'm just say, sweetheart, you're going to wreck what God is doing. But most importantly, you're going to wreck your life with error because error is a boomerang and it will come back and reverberate on your life. A lot of that stuff you all are going to, I'm going to errant words you gave out because God said, I want you to feel this word, I want you to taste it. So do we have any questions before we go forward? Um, someone wanted to know where we are and how to keep up. <laughs> We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you go, yeah, yeah I can ask. Oh, God. And so um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, if you go to the, um, org, it'll give you all of the instructions. But I'm going to let Chief talk a little bit because this is her hot button. You know, I feel so blessed that my youngest daughter got this thing in her spirit, in her gut. And then she brought two buds. And so I have reached a point now where I can, uh, I trust the people. First of all, I trust my training. And I I know my training is of God. I know that it works because I've got fruit. Now, you know, people can say, well, you know, so-and-so got more fruit. Jesus just needed 12, and God just needed one Jesus. So quality fruit. Trumps quantity too every single time. So because quality can produce quantity, but quantity cannot produce quality. When wow. people give us that, I'm like, I'm looking for the best of the best. I am an elite force. I am happy to say that. You know, people have talked about me, so I make me feel bad about it. I'm elite. I'm for the highest level profit God has. I'm for those who are going to do things for him that will secure what he's done. Because most times people do for God what they want so that they can get from him what they want. But there is a time. We're moved. God's future now is security. 
He's got to secure what he's done. It's recovery. He's got to recover that which was lost. He's, he's in a security and recovery mode in any prophet, any messenger, minister, I don't care who you are, who's headed toward his future, and you want to be integral to that future's success, you're going to have to come off of your ministry, your local ministry, your personal ministry, your devotional ministry, and you're going to have to step out into what will secure this man's kingdom, what will keep it, bring his people back home, what will, what will pull his sheep out of wolves' mouths, pull them out of the bear's paw, pull them out of the lion's paw. You're going to have a lot to do because God's people have become meat for Satan's kingdom, which is why your life is wrecked, all of that. So I'm clear on that. I don't have a confusion. So when they come and talk to me about, well, you know, this is about the love of God. Right now, it ain't love. You don't make love when you've been poor. You do not do that. You have to say, I'll put love making on hold so I can go fight for my house and fight for my car, fight for my kids. Somebody's breaking in the window. You don't just keep, oh, we're just hot in it. You don't do that. So God, <laughs> somebody's fighting the kids. All right. So you have to understand that love is not the only thing God is, and it's not his only character trait. God is holy. God is truth. He says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. He's the God of truth. God is truth. God is a man of war. God is sovereign. There are a whole lot of attributes about God that every prophet should know by heart and by detection. So then when people start talking about God is love, you get to know that. So I wanted to say that. Did we get another question before I let us Okay. So, yeah, and I'll, I'll uh, give a couple points there. I love the, the love piece. And I think it does take maturity, even the prophetic, to get to the place that you can um, not only meet God's love but appreciate who he is in his totality. I mean, it's kind of like your parents. Mm-hmm. When you first come into this world, all you care about is that they love you. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, and you I don't even know what that means. Right. You just want your food. And, right. if you, and if you get the privilege and honor of, you know, uh, having a strong relationship with your parents and growing up with them, you start realizing that, okay, she doesn't just love me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot to who you are outside of just that. So I think that's a great thing. Uh, I think there's also nothing wrong uh, when you think about Price University and our, our academic standards and our institutional objectives. I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to be elite because all the people that were elite made scripture. Absolutely. You know, the heroes mm-hmm. of the faith are the heroes because, okay, mm-hmm. everybody wasn't doing that. And the flops of the faith. Yes. They also, right, we have both extremes. <laughs> yes, okay, so it was kind of, you know, and so I think that we, you know, need to have those things so that we can have models. The elite sets the standard mm-hmm. and the model for how things are done. You know what I mean? So when it's the person, when you think about Olympic records, it's the best mm-hmm. that sets the standard for what everybody else needs to aspire to. Mm-hmm. So I think there's nothing wrong well, with that. They don't hardly tell you to go to the training camp of the number two and three person. Why is that? I need you to go to the training camp of the Go to the training, training camp, camp of number four. four. I mean, you know what I mean? So you think about the Super Bowl, the playoffs are coming up for uh, basketball. Everybody's trying to beat the best, mm-hmm. and they set the standard for the year of who everybody's going to be targeting and what, what, the, what lays the foundation. So I like the elite mm-hmm. um, because it goes with our school theme, learn today, lead tomorrow. tomorrow. So Price University, again, our website is www.priceuniversity.org, and on there you can find out about our programs and how you can get uh, be a part of this development. We do offer programs on a plethora of levels. So if you're listening to the to us for the first time and you're like, whoa, I don't know. I need to figure some things out. I'm not sure which way to go. Why don't you start with one of our self-study programs? Okay, it's under our non-degree section for continuing education. Start with one of those programs so that you can get a taste and a feel for just even where you are and begin the process of just edifying yourself in this information and in this knowledge. 
that would be one good place to begin if you're not sure today. If you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I've been seeking this. I've been needing this like for a long time. Somebody help me. Okay, I'm ready to get there. We have two options for you. Uh, you can consider going after ministerial credentialing, which is what you heard about featured today, okay, where you can go after ordination. Uh, and the same thing for apostles, too. We have commissioning, but today we're highlighting the prophetic. So you can get ordained through Christ mm-hmm. University as well through our ministry credentialing program, and that's the one that was featured today. If you're like, hey, I want to go all the way up to the top of this because I know that God's called me to deal with some he- heavy and weighty and high things, we also offer degree programs as, as well. Um, we're proud of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the fall, we're actually uh, going to open up or enlarge our degree programs to uh, include undergrad. Mm-hmm. So you can now start on your yes. Come on now. You can now start because we all been asking, okay? And, and I want you to know that we do listen and we hear. So you can start on the associate's level and go all the way up to the Ph.D. level in the prophetic. And the degrees are about exactly what you said. Being that mosaic, Danielic type prophet that wants to take on the things of this world, that's not just trying to, you know, prophesy to somebody in a presbytery line, work a conference, and do some church services. If that's you, there's nothing wrong with that. We need prophets in every sphere, okay? That's why we have First Corinthians 12 and then Ephesians 4. We need everybody doing their share. But if you know that that's your call, some of you know that you're called to do things in the nations. You know you're called to do things that are in government in different levels and sectors of God's kingdom. We would love for you to consider going after the degree because that's what degrees are for. Mm -hmm. So, again, you can do that by visiting our website under Programs of Study. Yes, did I say that correctly, Prophet Adia? Under Programs of Study. She's our admissions director, so I always have to check in. Okay? So she'll correct everything if I get okay in the announcement. But we want you to visit that Programs of Study. And that's www.priceuniversity.org. You can also uh, do online, but you can come here on site. People often ask us what's the difference between online and on-site and what would be the benefits, you know, or the drawbacks of either. We often get that question um, in terms of would it be better for me to come on-site or just do online. Most people just do online because it's convenient, right, and economical. It's convenient. You can stay at home. You don't have to travel. You don't have to move. You don't have to get involved. And so those are some of the uh, benefits of being online, okay? Some of the benefits of the press, of being on-site. Yeah, on-site allows you to be touched. So, so online, you get, we get to teach you and talk to you, yes, mostly yes. talk at you. But on the ground, on-site, you get to be touched. You get your questions answered. You get to be delivered because, you know, we the anointing, it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. So you're going to be able to be embraced by us as opposed to just simply being educated by us. So if you want the touch, that's it. We're going to have to do some announcements because we only have a few minutes, but you're so good at it. Um, yes, so about the, the self-study courses right now, we have a really, really um, powerful lineup for mm-hmm. the summer. And you can actually just go to summer courses at priceuniversity.org, click summer courses, and you'll be able to see the entire schedule for our self-study courses online, as well as just on the homepage of priceuniversity.org, all the summer courses that our self-study are listed there. You can also see them on Dr. Price's site at drpaulaprice.com as well. So if you're visiting us online, click Summer Courses or just visit our homepage and you'll be able to see the self-study schedule so that you can get enrolled in the class right now. Summer session starts April 30th, and it's not too late. All you have to do is give us a call. We'll help you get registered for the summer. We want to help you get registered. So you can give us a call, 877-419-1299. Again, it's 877-419-1299. Give us a call. We want to help you get registered for the summer because 
Summer session starts in two weeks. April 30th is the first session of the summer. We have three summer sessions this year. So April 30th is our first session. Our second session starts on the 28th of May. And then our third session starts on July 2nd. So even if you're, you're saying, oh, the, the first session is so close, you can actually register right now for second session. It starts the 28th of May. So get online right now and visit us at PriceUniversity.org. You'll be able to register for your self-study class and purchase your self-study class all there on the website. I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that biblical psychology is also available this summer, the full entire yes. course online. And you can register for that by clicking non-degree enrollment. So you'll click enrollment and then non-degree, and then you'll be able to get the information on how you can get enrolled for biblical psychology, which starts also on April 30th. But it's not too late. Give us a call. We'll help you get registered for the summer. You will love it. Well, one of the things I'd like to encourage you to think about, if the prophet is meant to span all seven spheres, because that's the founding mantle of God's ministry, then education has got to be important. You definitely want to do that. You want to do the self-study, but I strongly encourage you to press some flesh. And as you press your flesh, I want you to enroll in biblical psychology because the prophet is God's first soulologist. And so you need to become a master in soul treatment in order to go where you need to go in the dimensions of God as a prophet, as his representative, as his divine communicant. So don't pass up that opportunity. I thank you so much for listening to us today. Please share, 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 and then after you share, 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 share some more, share it with everyone because this was something so rich, so powerful, that you definitely want to make sure that, you, that others get the best out of it. Make sure you do that. I also want to invite you to remember that Sunday morning, Sunday 7.30, taking it on with Paula Price on YouTube. It comes out every Sunday morning at 7.30. Lastly, don't miss the Congregation of the Mighty, where we teach scripturally organic, culturally modified Christianity. And as she just said, Register for the event. I've given you tons and tons of reasons today to make the press, to rearrange your schedule, to right now just be sweet to your boss and get the time off, you know, not be sweet to people. Yeah. Well, and, 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 uh, and any other adjustment, this is powerful. Come and get ready for God's, press, uh, God's future by learning the prophetic in the present tense. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you all. Hey, I love you so much. Have a great day. <laughs> and a great weekend.